0: With Hashem's assistance, we're learning by Bukam Adafayin Chetz, page 78. We begin nine lines in the second word. rava. So we're going back to a statement that Rav has said, which we're going to say needs clarification for us to understand what he meant. Zebana'av, he says that we have a general rule. Anywhere where the verse says the word set, which is a general supercategory that includes sheep and goats, it's coming to exclude a case where the animal was crossbred. That that verse will not apply to such an animal. So where is he coming to say his statement for? If he's coming to say his statement in regards to sacrifices we said explicitly it says there shorikasev that when it says in the verse a bull or a sheep, it's going to exclude a case where it was crossbred. So that can't be where it's coming to teach us. my sir. if it's in regards to the tithe that one takes off of his animals, Tachas, Tachas, Yelchmi, Kachim. How do we know that there's no obligation to take off a tithe from an animal that's been crossbred? So that's learned out from Akzereshab. We find the same word Tachas in regards to Meiser, in regards to the tithe, and also in regards to the sacrifices. So we learn out from there that just like there's no crossbreeding there, an animal that's crossbred can't be brought as a sacrifice. There's also an obligation in regards to the tithe. Il Bachor, so if Rav's statement is coming to teach us that in regards to the firstborn animal, that there's an obligation to bring that. To the temple. There is two possible ways to learn it out in regards to the bechor. Either we learn it out as a xir shavu. We find the same word havara, both in regards to the bechor and in regards to the tithe. So that would teach us that just like in regards to the tithe, a crossbred animal is excluded. So too in regards to the bechor, the firstborn also the crossbred animal is excluded. Another possibility is inami That the implication of the verses is that if the child, if the offspring of the animal does not look like the Parent, so there's no obligation to treat that firstborn animal like a regular firstborn animal. Because <inaudible> we have a verse that says, <inaudible> However, in regards to the firstborn of a bull, <inaudible> from the fact that you have the word "firstborn" right next to the word "bull," it shows that the firstborn has to look like its parent, the bull. So, if that's the case, if we see that the animal is the offspring, the proper offspring of the parent, but it doesn't look like the parent, it's not going to be included. So, certainly an animal which is not the proper offspring of the parent, a crossbred animal, is not going to be included. So, when was Rav's statement made that whenever it says the word se, which means a sheep or a goat, that is it's coming to exclude a crossbred animal? It's coming to teach us in regards to the redemption of a mule. It can't be redeemed with a a calf and now with a wild animal and now with an animal that's been slaughtered and now with an animal that had a hole in its lung and now with an animal that is a crossbred animal animal and now with a special kind of animal which it's not clear if it's a wild animal or a domesticated animal the Gemara says that Rabbi Elazar, the matir according to Rabbi says you can indeed take a crossbred animal and redeem a donkey with a crossbred animal. The Tanaim, as we have in the Mishnah, Rabbi Elazar, matir he says that it's permitted to do such a thing. Bimnei Shu says, consider, according to Rabbi that it is under the category of a se' of a sheep. So then, what's it coming to teach you? What's Rav coming to tell you? Amar the so Chacham Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi will explain as follows. Well. Kiyat Mar the Rav. One was Rav's statement. Letamish andel minatoher In regards to an animal which was an impure animal that was born from a crossbreed between a pure animal and an impure animal meaning, Rashi says, if you let's say you have a case where you have a cow that was crossbred with a sus, with a horse, and the animal that was produced looked like a horse so such an animal is going to be considered a crossbreed that you're not going to be allowed to eat so now when we say this concept that Rava said which is that when you have the word "sets" coming to exclude a crossbreed it means specifically a crossbreed where the animal is an impure animal but if it's a crossbreed that looks like a kosher animal, so then that's fine would you like Rabbi Yeshua? And this comes out not like the statement of Rabbi Yeshua. Dear Reb Yeshua, because what does Rabbi Yeshua say? He actually learns it out from a different verse, from the fact that it says twice, "se," uh, which is a sheep, or "se," a which is a goat. So this teaches you actually, that until the animal, its mother and its father are the same type, so only then is it considered an animal that can be eaten. So that's what Yeshua would learn. But according to Rabbi Lazar and according to Rava, so the way that we would learn the same exact idea is from this verse, from the fact that it's says set, which teaches you that it can't be a crossbreed that looks like a non kosher animal if you want to be able to eat it. Now, the Gemara challenges, to hire me to mea, me is it possible to impregnate a kosher animal from an unkosher animal? We have a Gemara in Baccharis, says Rashi, that says explicitly that it's not possible. If you have a horse and you want to impregnate a cow, it's not going to work. The Gemara says, in, we do have a case, the Kaimlan, because we established, mi-kolut that you could have a case as follows. Rashi explains this case at length, and he says that if let's say you have a cow that mates with a bull, and they produce a calf that does not have split hooves. So there's an argument about whether or not this calf, which only has one sign now, right? Because the Torah says you have to have two signs in order for it to be kosher. It has to have split hooves and it has to chew its cud. So now this animal only chews its cud, doesn't have split hooves. So there's an argument in such a case about whether or not it's kosher. So Rabbi Shimon holds that it's not going to be considered kosher. You can't eat such an animal. And Rabbi Yoshua holds that no, you can eat such an animal. However, Rabbi Yoshua agrees. If Let's say you take this animal, which is the product of a mating between two kosher animals but now we call this animal in a certain sense it is tome. it has a characteristic of an unkosher animal which is it doesn't have split hooves now you mate this animal with a kosher animal the product of that mating is not going to be kosher anymore even according to Rabbi Yeshua so when he said that you have a an non-kosher animal being mated with a kosher animal he was referring to this type of animal where it was the product of a mating between two kosher animals it now is missing one of the signs it's called tome in a certain sense it can be eaten according to Rabbi Yeshua however in a certain sense it's not going to be kosher because anything that that it produces when you now made it with a kosher animal is not going to be kosher even according to Rabbi Yeshua. So that's what we were referring to. And that's where Rebbe will say that instead of learning it out from the verse that Rabbi Yeshua learns it out from, he learns it out from the fact that it says se, which means a sheep, and that's coming to exclude a case which is crossbred. Boi Rabba. Rabba asks the following question, Harele Let's say someone accepts upon himself to bring a sacrifice, which is a completely burnt offering, but here for sure, and he separated one of his bulls to be used for that sacrifice, Someone comes along and steals that animal. Now, mi potter ganav nafsheh b'keves l'rabbonun, boi le sa'oifler The question is, does this thief have to pay him back a bull, or perhaps we can say, listen, when a person accepts upon himself to bring a carbon olo, this type of sacrifice, so he doesn't have to bring a bull, he can also bring, according to the sages, he can bring a sheep, and according to ben Azariah, he can bring a bird. Right? So the gun of the thief, perhaps he can say, all you have an obligation to bring is either a sheep or a bird. So, so why don't I don't have to pay back anything more than that. My, my obligation is only to pet you for what you have an obligation to, to bring to the base of Midlash, to the temple. And you don't have to bring anything more than that. Tonight we have a Mishnah. Oyla. Someone says, I'm going to bring a sacrifice of an Ola. Yavi Keves. So he can bring a sheep, according to the sages. Rebeleza ben Azariah says, Yavi Tor, He can bring a turtle dove or a baby dove. My. So what do we say? that all he accepted upon himself was to bring an Ola, this type of sacrifice, and therefore you can give him the lowest level Like perhaps the person whose animal was stolen can say I want to do the best of the mitzvahs, I want to bring a beautiful animal, I don't want to bring a low class animal give me back what I was planning to bring after Rav asked this question, so he answered the question. You said that in fact, a person who's a thief is allowed to just pay back the sheep, the lowest level, according to the sages, or a bird, according to the Rav Because the Rashi explains, when I have to pay you back, I'm not paying you back. I'm not paying back the temple. I'm paying you back for your obligation. And all your obligation is to the temple is the lowest level, is a bird, according to the Rav Zarya, or a sheep, according to the sages. Rav Masni Rav Acha Brederika had the statement of Rava said explicitly it wasn't a question, an answer was just the statement. Amar Ravah, Ravah says, If someone says he's going to accept upon himself to bring a common ola, a completely burnt sacrifice, a hip is short, and he separated off a bull to, be, to, to bring, and someone else came and stole it, So the gunner, the thief has the ability to give him back a sheep, according to the sages, or a bird, according to the Benazaria. Ben We begin the Mishnah. Let's say when someone steals an animal. So instead of completely selling it, he retains the rights to one one-hundredth of it. He leaves over one one-hundredth. Let's say the person who stole it, so he originally was a partner in it partly. So now when he's selling it, he's part, part of it he's selling, which is his. So he's not completely selling something in a forbidden way. If someone slaughters it, but he doesn't do a proper job, and he ruins the slaughtering, it was a completely unkosher slaughtering, Hanikher is somebody who rips the animal from its nostrils down to its heart, Vahama or he just pulls out the throat. So in such a case it's not considered that he slaughtered it at all, and therefore all he's done is he's stolen the animal. So he pays Kevel, pays the double, and he doesn't have to pay four or five times because he has not slaughtered it. We begin the Gemara. What does it mean that when he sold it, so it's not considered that he sold it as long as he's left over one one one-hundredth. What does he have to leave over... To, or retain the rights to in order for it to be considered that he hasn't completely sold it. Amar Rav says, It can't be just anything that he's left over. He has, has to actually leave over something significant and that is a piece of meat which would be, become permitted by slaughtering. As opposed to, says Rashi, if he leaves over a horn or a shearing or the skin of the animal so that wouldn't be considered something significant that he's left over and therefore it would be considered that he's completely sold it and he would have an obligation to pay four or five times. Amar Levi says, gives that even if he just leaves over the shearings of the animal, that's considered that he hasn't completely sold it and therefore he would not have an obligation to pay four or five times. And we have a brace that says explicitly, that if he left over the shearings, it's also considered that he hasn't completely sold it, he won't have to pay the four or five times. I'll ask you a question, if let's say somebody sells it except for its hand, except for its foot, except for its horn, except for its shearings, so since he's left over in the sale, so he doesn't have to pay the four or five times, it's not considered that he completely sold it. Rabbi, Rabbi, says, only if he leaves over something which, if it's missing, so it would prevent the slaughtering from being kosher, let's say it's missing one of the blood vessels, something significant, so then, he won't have to pay the four or five times, but if he left over something which isn't so significant to the animal, that if it would be missing, it wouldn't prevent the animal from being slaughtered properly, so then he would in fact have to pay the four or five times, it's considered that he's he sold it completely. Rabbi Shimon Al-Azhar, Rabbi Shimon Al-Azhar says, Chutz mi karna, If you left over its horn, arba You're not going to have to pay the four or five times because it's not considered that you completely sold the animal since you left over the horn. Chutz mi gizay se, but if you left over the shearing, arba So then you will have to pay the four or five times because it's considered that you completely sold it. Levi, It's good according to Levi, we have someone for him to be like. Remember, Levi said that if you leave out the shearings, it's also considered that you haven't completely sold it. So who does he go like? So he works out like the first tana of this b'raisa. According to Ravu says that when is it considered that you left something over and you haven't completely sold it, only if you leave over something which becomes permitted through slaughtering, like a piece of meat, but not if you left over the gizay the shearings, the horns, etc. So he doesn't work out like any of the people. In this braisa, huh? Amri. So we say like this Rav D'Amrikiya Tana. Rav says like the following Tana of the following braisa, the Tana we learned in the braisa. Rabbishim and Lazar says, If someone sells it except for its hand, except for its foot, so that's considered that you haven't completely sold it. But if it's sold except for its horns or except for its shearings, it's still considered that you've completely sold it and therefore you will pay the four or five times. So Rav works out like this Rabbishim ben Benalazar. What are they arguing about these tanoim? Tanakama, the Tanakama, who says that in order for it to be considered sold, it has to be completely sold, he holds that when it's slaughtered, it has to be completely slaughtered. And therefore, when it says that it has to be sold, it, has to mean, it means it has to be completely sold. If you left over anything in the sale, it's not considered that you you sold it. The Rebbe holds that what's considered something that if you leave it out, it's not considered a complete sale. Only those things that could prevent, if it's not there inside of the animal, could prevent a proper slaughtering. Where where does he get that from? So he learns that from the following. The verse says, slaughter, Something that can prevent it being slaughtered. So this would exclude something which will not prevent it from being slaughtered. And the sale from the fact that the verse says the two things next to each other, slaughtering and selling it, is showing you that if you want it to be a good sale, you have to sell those things that could prevent it from being slaughtered. And only then are you going to have an obligation to pay four or five times. But if you left out something like the shearings, etc., so then that's not considered something that's going to hold you back from me consider that you've sold it and you will still have an obligation to pay four or five times. <inaudible> <inaudible> what does hold? So in the Brisa, so he made a distinction between if one sells it except for its horns, or he sells it besides for its shearings. So karna de In regards to its horns, you don't usually take off the horns. shear. So that's considered something which is intrinsically part of the animal. And if you leave that thing out, so it's considered that you haven't completely sold it. So you're not going to have to pay the four or five times. but the shearings So shearings usually are shorn. So lehavei shears so even though you left those things out it's not considered that you've left something out because it's not something which is intrinsic to the animal an intrinsic part of the animal so even though you've left it out you still have to pay four or five times because it's considered that you've completely sold it the second version of Rishim ben al where we said that anything that you leave out that has to do with shchidu, that has to do with that becomes permitted through slaughtering that's considered that you've left something out significant but anything else not so he holds so far when it comes to the hands and the feet that there's something that require in order for them to be permitted you need to slaughter have you shear? so that's considered something that you've left out so then you're not going to have to pay the four or five times because if you left that out it's not considered that you've completely sold it but the horns and the shearings that they don't require a slaughtering in order for those things to be permitted it's not considered that they're an intrinsic part of the animal therefore if you left them out it's not considered that you've left out something significant and if you sold it so then it's completely sold and you will have to pay the four or five times now the Gemara says kashadib ben we have a contradiction between two different versions of Rabbi Shimon ben Elozer. He seems to be saying two different things. So Gemara says, It's not a problem because we actually have two different Tanoim who are saying their version of what they heard from Ribbishim ben Elazar. If someone steals an animal it's missing a leg or a lame animal so Rashi explains that in this case there's going to be an obligation to pay four or five times despite the fact that you haven't completely sold an animal theoretically since you're completely selling everything that you stole so there is an obligation to pay four or five times let's say the animal is blind or let's say you stole an animal which belonged to two different partners you will still have an obligation because it doesn't go by each person that you completely sell the thing that you stole from that guy no it goes by did you completely sell the thing that you stole meaning it goes by you the the thief have you completely sold something or does it still belong to you so as long as the thief doesn't have any portion in it even if it belongs to two different partners it's considered that he's completely sold the thing that he stole so however if you have two partners that have stolen or it's not clear do you have one partner stealing from the other person or two partners stealing together we're going to understand this soon so you have two partners who stole so then there's no obligation v'hatanum if you have two partners that's still oven. there is an obligation Amar of Nachman Sir says it's not a problem when is there an obligation when he's one partner stealing from the other guy who's a partner with him therefore he still has a portion in it and therefore when he sells it it's not considered that he sold something that doesn't belong to him therefore he won't have an obligation the four or five times but if you have two people who are partnered in crime so to speak and they're stealing from another person so even though they're partners in the crime it's still considered that they have an obligation so Rav asks a question on what Rav Nachman just said you might think it says in the Bresa you might think that if you have a partner that stole from his friend or you have two partners in crime together they stole you might think that there's an obligation lomar, that, that's what the verse says and he slaughtered it he has to be the one who's doing it on his own Vilek, and it's missing so how can you Rav Nachman say that if you have two partners who are stealing together that there is going to be an obligation how can you say that here it's explicit that it's not true Ela Amar Rav Nachman. so Rav Nachman says That's not a problem either. It depends when we have two partners who are stealing together, and one of them slaughters it on his own, but the other guy knows about it, so then it's considered that they're both doing it, and therefore there will be an obligation to pay. When do we say that there's no obligation? Because if one of them does it without the awareness of his partner, so then it's considered that he did it on his own. It's not considered that they both, both people who stole it, have completely gone and slaughtered it. Only one of them has slaughtered it, and therefore there won't be an obligation to the four or five times. But Rabbi Yirunya Rabbi has the following question. Let's say somebody sells the animal, the one who stole it. He sells the animal but says, I want to retain the rights to use it for 30 days. So he hasn't completely sold it. He hasn't sold it for the next 30 days. He says, I'm only selling it for you to slaughter. If you use the animal so I retain the rights to that use and you have to pay me for that right let's see he sells it except for the fetus that's inside of it mahu what's going to be the halacha according to the one who says uber that the, the fetus is considered a part of the mother it's considered a limb of the mother it's not a question because if he leaves that out it's considered he's left something out it's not considered a complete sale according to the one who says that the fetus is not considered a limb of the mother then we can ask the question My, what's going to be the halacha do we say but that since the fetus is attached to the mother it's still considered that you've left something out perhaps since the animal the fetus is going to become separated from it maybe this is not considered something that you've left over in the animal and therefore it's considered that you completely sold it and you'll have to pay the four or five times there was a different version of the question perhaps according to the one who says that it's not considered the fetus is not a limb of the mother so then it's not considered that you've left something over perhaps since, if the fetus is inside of the mother, when the when the mother gets slaughtered, the fetus will now become permitted to eat. So it's considered that you've left over something in its body, even according to the one who says that it's not considered a limb of the mother. we don't have an answer for this question. Rapa asks the following question: Let's say a person stole an animal, cut off one of its limbs, and sold the animal. Mahu? What do we say? Do we say my the gun of halazovin? What he stole, he didn't sell. Meaning he didn't completely sell the thing that he originally sold. or perhaps When he made this sale, he didn't leave over anything in the sale itself. Teiku, we have no answer for this question. With Hashem's help, we'll continue from here in the next Daily Da'af.